I'm Sage. And I'm William. And this is Half, half as well, well, where we promise Tolkien lore half as much as you should like. Explained half as well as you deserve. Okay, we are keeping on Rings of Power, episode five. Uh, it's the day before our wedding, so this is going to be a super quick episode, just kind of reacting and, and then getting on with our, our day. Yeah, just ignore the insanity of us trying to do this during our wedding. <laughs> um, we're committed. We're doing it. Just don't want to get behind. Yeah. Okay, so we are in the latter half of this first season of Rings of Power. I was really excited at the end of last episode because it seemed like things were starting to happen, and they're still kind of just starting to happen. Yeah, the Numenorians are kind of getting ready. I'm still bummed out by how slow this show is, but um, let's first start by going through our rubric and talk a bit more because this episode, actually, I think we hit all three. Yeah, of just those three major themes of the Second Age. The Lingering of the Elves, we get a little bit of in this episode. We'll talk some more about that in a bit. But we definitely, you know, we hear that the the time for elves in Middle-earth is waning and, and they're going to try to prevent that waning from happening. But Right, and that's, you know keeping in with the books yeah but, um, totally i don't know about the way they're going about explaining uh, yeah. this um uh, it's pretty questionable but we'll get into that in a second uh the rise of sauron yeah we get a little bit more of the adar storyline it seems like he is not sauron yeah which is i think not. a lot of people expected that but you know there is the storyline of transforming mordor into a land for the orcs yeah uh, without the sun that's made a little bit more explicit and clear yeah. here. So I think that's interesting. And then uh, the rise and fall of Numenor. And, you know, we were getting this isolated kingdom reconnecting with the outside world and seeing where that will lead them. And we see Farazan having some schemes of his own. Loved it. That point towards more of that corruption of Numenor once they do engage in the outside world. Yeah, I, I have to say, you know, we've been complaining a lot about the fact that Muriel and Farazan's relationship as cousins has not been pointed out by the show yet. They finally do that in this yeah. episode. And we finally get to see kind of what's been hinted at for like, oh, so many, so many episodes that Farazan has designs that are larger than his current position. And I love right. that he's super focused on economy here and and he's sort of like you know, he doesn't seem to be an absolutist, right? He's not entirely isolationist. He is a nationalist, but he uh, really is going to find the what he can in any situation and, and make it work for him, which I, I think is a really good character trait for him. Right. Yeah, so we might skip the likes and dislikes this episode. It's going to be a lot shorter. Uh, so we might just jump into just some like of those plot points bag, yeah. and talk about what we like. I mean, within those <laughs> what three we things, what we liked and disliked yeah. about it. Do you want to get into the the Silmaril tree elf Balrog fight Mithril alchemy? Yeah, let's talk about that. Well, first of all, let me just say, like, I am not a fan of Gil-galad. I don't think I'm supposed to be, but I kind of hate that I'm not supposed to be. Overall, in this show, I've had a big problem with a lot of these characters are, like, a little too simple for me. Like, 
I wish Gil Gallad was like a little more complex in his reasoning. I mean, he, he wanted to get rid of Galadriel and it's sort of like, oh, does he really believe that evil has gone? I guess so. But in, in this episode, it's very clear he, he knows that evil's not gone. And uh, then I question like, well, why are you getting rid of like your best commander sort of and I, I I just have a lot of issues with his portrayal um he seems rife with dramatic flaw which of course knowing the story yeah sure yeah but and well I would like him to be just totally in denial about evil like sure uh, especially if he ships Galadriel away right. I would like him to just like Elrond playing devil's advocate be like maybe she has a point and he's like nope Evil is done. Right. Like, Um, he either needs to be stronger or, like, have more complex reasoning for what he's doing. Because, or maybe he does, but we haven't been given that. Yeah, (laughs) or just have it fleshed out more. Um, One of my big complaints is there are characters we're spending a lot of time with and really diving into, and other characters we're just not. And I think it's the wrong characters. Yeah, I agree. I don't need to see door and his buddies. No. Um, oh my god. <laughs> I need to see what the High King of the Noldor's reasoning for things are and contextualizing that. And I think in general that's like a big problem of the show is like not contextualizing the big players. Yeah, the actual people with tons of power and, and like I think within yeah. that, we can get little snapshots into characters like Asildor or uh, Farazhan's son, whose name is... And I, I just think there will but... be plenty of time to get into them later. I'm yeah. just like, right now we need to focus on Elendil and Gilgalad and Celebrimbor. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Gilgalad. I, I think from everything from the design uh, to... And by design, I mean just lack of sideburns really throws me off and makes it look like he's wearing a very strange wig. But... We get this like totally fabricated story. And and for me to say something is totally fabricated in the context of a fantasy story, um, that's pretty bad, right? Like if I like I'm entering watching this show already believing like, yeah, these guys make these magic rings that have dominion over people's souls. Yeah. <laughs> so like I'm uh, my suspension of disbelief is like pretty fucking high. <laughs> like I, I'm already in it to win it. Um, so then when you start talking about like Balrog and a, a hidden, some fucking hidden simmer, a Silmaril in a tree of all places and a elf as pure as Manway and that all of their power combines because it was struck by lightning and it becomes pure good. I, or it just becomes Mithril, it, which has the Mithril, power of good and evil. And yeah. well, they don't even say it has good evil. It's like, it's pure good. And it's no, like, no, they say like, it's as, as something as good and as strong and resilient as evil is. So it's got like qualities of both good and evil. Oh my it. god, I don't care. I question that alchemy a lot. Well, I yeah. I don't think the Silmaril was necessary to be brought up. Yeah, when that whole sequence came on, I just had to like stop and shut my brain off and and I had to rewatch it at the end because I was like I like I left my body <laughs> during that. I don't know what happened. Well, yeah, it's just like my problem is the end result of all this. The elves talking about if we don't do something, <laughs> uh, we will we will fade. And it's like no shit. <laughs> but I'm just like that's just because of the general uh, staining of Middle Earth by Morgoth. Right. This battle between an elf and a Balrog and and it happening in the, the misty mountains of all places. Well, yeah, it's very strange. It's like that's not where the action was happening in the first age at all. So why is an elf? A, one elf and a Balrog fighting over there. It, it drew to mind uh, Glorfindel versus the Balrog in the fall of Gondolin. But again, that was Gondolin, not the Misty Mountains. 
Um, well, then again, you know, Elrond says, like, that it is only a myth or something like that. Yeah, no, I think that's important to keep in mind because it does play out like a myth, like some kind of folktale legend. But also, it's true. But Gilgalad is, like, treating <laughs> it like, this is absolutely fact. And it's like, I certainly hope not. I mean, I've seen some people talking about how they think this is, like, Anatar's lies and he's already uh, at work and I certainly hope so. I mean that's just that's But then that also makes Gilgalad extremely gullible looking because it's just Yeah, and a big idiot. And like I, I just that whole thing it didn't and, need to be as complex as that. And I yeah, and I think another thing that in general is I think bugging me is the sense of urgency, like by spring we will start to fade. I think for the elves, it's just as urgent if it'll happen in 100,000 years. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I, I was perfectly happy with like the, the, the tree uh, with the blight and right. dying. And like I could see the elves getting freaked out by that and being like, these trees are sacred to us. If they can't live in Middle Earth, we can't either. I'm sure there are other things you could do, but I think that's kind of enough to see like where their frame of mind is at. Not like... Unless we capture the Mithril, we'll die by spring. So fucking dumb. Like, it's it's way too contrived for me. And I just, the story about, I don't know, it just feels very pulled out of someone's ass. Yeah, it is. And, and uh, I, I think the other problem I have with this whole, like, that would be bad enough. But then they're like, Mithril, it's our only chance. And I'm just like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what do you intend? And... I understand, like, yeah, they're probably going to try to make the Rings of Power out of it. I I know that. But yeah. within the context of the show, why isn't Elrond just being like, what are we going to do? Eat this Mithril? Wear it? Are we going to make weapons out of it to protect us against evil? What the fuck? Like, it's just metal, you know? Like, And when Elrond doesn't question that, why doesn't Durin fucking question that? Also, why does Durin give a shit? It's like, the the dwarves aren't immortal. They they live like shorter yeah. lifespans than the I mean, elves. I think the implication is he's friends with Elrond, so he wants to help his friend. Okay, but, but like Elrond currently is going to outlive Durin by like millennia. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, so that doesn't mean he shouldn't care. No, but. I know, but it's sort of like I I do kind of question this. Like, well, of course I'll help you. It's it's like a little bit like. I mean, everyone else is doing okay with lifespans of like 600 years or less. So I don't know, man. Well, I don't just, get it. I know everyone was really into the dwarf Khazad Doom storyline oh, at the God. beginning. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think we need to be spending this much time here. And now seeing where it's going with this Mithril, I'm like, yeah, I wish everything with the Mithril was just happening off screen and that wasn't as important. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I mean, it sucks because I do think like the actors of the dwarves are some of the, <laughs> I think some oh, of the, I think yeah. some of the writing is better. Like the actual yeah. like lines are mm -hmm. better and the acting is, is feels better to me and, and good. But yeah, I, I agree. Like when it comes to the portents of like what that has led to, I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of another thing, too. There's too many portents, too many prophecies, too many. And, like, I get that those exist in this world, but I need more, like, tangible, this is happening now. Yeah. Here are the results and implications, like, now of these things that we're talking about. Yeah. I, and, uh, you know, just I'll reiterate this. I kind of mentioned this a few minutes ago, but um, both Gil-Galad and Celebrimbor just, like, reek of dramatic flaw. And it's in a way where it's, like, no one's going to be surprised when, like, their efforts aid Sauron. And like, for yeah. me, that should be like, rather than like 
being so secretive about the identity of Sauron and and whatever, like all of that stuff. I'm like, I could do without that if you just made it like Celebrimbor and Gil-galad had like sound reasoning for doing the shit that they're doing, not just no, like a children's fairy tale. And and they just seem so shady about it. They're too. so weird. They're so bad. <laughs> yeah. So that was my biggest complaint about this episode. <laughs> Outside of that, I didn't mind a lot. I thought this was one of the more consistent and quality episodes. Like in the past, like I either like really liked one story like and really didn't like another. Outside of that tidbit about the Mithril and how we got to the fading of the elves and what they're going to do to prevent it. I thought most of this episode was like, okay, it was fine for me. Let's talk about the Harfoots real quick. Yeah. That was I'm, good. Yeah. I thought the episode started really strongly. I... I really like that scene. Um, the Stranger in the Harfoots continues to be one of my favorite plot lines here. Yeah, I, I want more of it, honestly, because we're still in this place where we don't really know too, too much about the Stranger and we don't get to see yeah. him react. And Well, it's like each episode gives you just enough, but then not enough to fully go through uh, right. to the next plot point. Totally. Um, um, but he's still doing shady things. Yeah, he's, um, he's like still... he he saves them, but then there's that weird scene with his he's arm like freezing, healing his arm, and then Nori gets kind of stuck in it. There's a lot of moments though where I'm just like, why'd she grab? Why'd she grab his arm? And it's like, oh, so she could freak out. But like, I don't like that. I I feel like some of this plot is written backwards. <laughs> like this is where we need this mean? character to get. Oh, uh, let's figure out how to get them there rather than yeah. like naturally growing from point A to point B. It's like, we know oh. point B and C. So like, how do we get point A to point B? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's like a true. problem with like Galadriel and, and, and stuff like that. So yeah. But no, yeah, I, I just kind of took that as like Nori's. She's curious. Yeah, she, I, I get it. Her whole thing is she kind of jumps in without thinking about sure. things. And they seem to not go well for her, which I think is part of a larger indication of where this strange storyline <laughs> yeah. is heading. Yeah, I'm still, I, I love the idea of him being Sauron. The conversation they have about perils and yeah. good. If this is how they're going about doing their version of Sauron, they're nailing it. This yeah, is great. Totally. Um, this is a guy who allied with the wrong side is now re-examining that and now even wondering, do I have the capacity to do good? Yeah. And, you know, that would easily lead into him like, Maybe I do want to help the people of Middle-earth and make, like, a place that's, like, Valinor or something. Right, right. And and then just, again, it's it's the complication of free will that drives him back Insane. into evil. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I really liked all their conversations and uh, him defending them from the wolf, wolf creatures. Uh, I have issues with the wolves, but that's a CGI problem, and I don't know why they have to look that way. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree that the stranger is pretty compelling. Even if he's not, I, I'm still really interested to see where he's going. Although I am more convinced than before that he is not Gandalf. Yeah, no. Or maybe even the wizards. I will say the other theory about him that, you know, was always kind of a, a dark horse theory that I think is might come back a little bit is the fact that he's Tilian, the man of the moon. Yeah. Because he was looking up at the moon. Oh, true. And then that was followed immediately by the mystics who are following right. his crater. And they're wearing like all white moon hmm. regalia. Maybe. Um, maybe they think he's that. Yeah, maybe. Like, maybe they're like a cult of the moon or something. Yeah. So anyway, that's very interesting. I want to see more of them. Oh my god, I know. Like I, I was hoping that would tie back in more this episode, but I guess gotta wait till next episode. 
let's talk about yeah. the Southlanders. Yeah, this is our main plot of season one, really. Totally. So they, um, you know, basically split half and half down the middle. Who wants to stand and fight for their lands and who wants to ally with who they think right now is Sauron, but it's, it's Adar. And- yeah, and this is being led by Waldrig, who, you know, we found out is... <laughs> pretty sympathetic to Sauron and his family history uh, allied with them. And yeah, I loved this whole scene where he was like, you're Sauron, Sauron, right? right? (laughs) It's just like, no. Yeah. Um, He's like, well, whatever. I'll swear fealty to you. Right, Um, exactly. I think really driving home that these men are cowardly. That's why they took up with Morgoth in in the first place. Um, Something I did not like about this plot point is that Bronwyn kind of loses all hope when she loses like I don't know the 20 people <laughs> that split off yeah, of her party I mean if you look at like the amount of troops that Adar has it's like that's not going to make a difference yeah these um, are like orc wars you're already fucked so like I don't know why that made you know such a huge drastic change and uh, I don't know yeah I, I was I didn't like that we learn a little bit more about the sword in a yeah. A very conveniently placed statue. Well, yeah, what at that moment I was like, wait, are they in a different place than where they just were? Or is this literally in the tower like or, that they're at? No, yeah, it's definitely at the tower, but it, it almost seems like it was like literally right behind them the whole time. Th- there's there's a lot of moments like that in this show where I'm just suddenly like, wait, was that just off screen for the past five minutes? Or like <laughs> yeah. what the fuck? Like did they just like apparate somewhere, you know, like is this movie magic kind of like, and suddenly we're here. I've seen it before. Here it is. I, I don't know. I, I think some of the, the camera work kind of confuses me at times because of that. Yeah. But we know they've been looking for this sword, Adar has, and we hear that it's now some kind of key that they're looking for. And we know Adar wants to transform this land into a land of shadows for his orcs which we know happens due to the, the clouds and fumes from Mount Doom in the books. Uh, I think the sword is going to be the key to causing Aradrin to erupt. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very interesting. If you look at the statue, it's the sword is being driven right down through the middle of a, like a human sacrifice mm. is what it looks like. So I think you're going to need some sacrifice for that as well. Yeah, cool. Um, Which would go along with your theory that the Harfoots are going to be sacrificed. I mean, right now we have no context for what, how the Harfoot. everything else is tying together. Totally. The Harfoots don't, but they're moving south to the Southlands. Yeah. I think, I think their grove is located near Eradruin, and they're going to be the sacrificial lamb to uh, blow the top off that mountain. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just have to see. Galadriel and Halbrand have a really good scene that I I think, I don't know, I I, I kind of lament that, you know, there's no way for them to be like romantic together because I do think those characters are written really well together and that the actors have a lot of natural chemistry. And uh, the only complaint I had about their scene where they're like, Galadriel's trying to convince Halbrand to join with her and He's sort of like, what darkness have you ever even known, you know? And um, she's talking about her the loss of her brother and kind of going on this path of vengeance. And the only thing I yeah. didn't like was like, there's a, like a lot of camera shots just straight back and forth between their faces. So it's like you're a point of view character yeah. in it, yeah. um, and which I think was fine the first couple of times. And then it was just like, oh, okay. So you just had the actor stand and deliver their lines directly to the camera and like... That kind of took me out of it, but yeah, um, I like the scene too. It's just kind of getting back again to 
episode one where I was more on board with her and her quest for vengeance. Yeah. And talking about that, it's like, I feel like we just went on this detour where it's just like, don't get in my way, mortals, I'm an elf. And yeah. And now I'm just like glad that it's, you know, we're Moving, getting yeah. some self-reflective Galadriel and getting back to like the whole reason she's doing all of this. Yeah, I do um, think everything could have gone a lot faster in the Numenor yeah, plot. I think we could have gotten to the same point much quicker yeah this show could use like a really harsh editor but here's here's my point for the whole thing like all of my complaints about this show um really can be summed up by the fact that they have five guaranteed seasons and a jeff bezos budget because that's not what creative constraints are you know like they don't have any sort of challenge to like make this story super succinct or yeah well i I like that they have obviously enough time to tell the story they sure, want to tell. Yeah. But I do think that having some constraints can breed a little bit more creativity and like well, yeah. uh, figure out ways to do this a little tighter and better. Um, and right now there's just, I- I'm on board for the show and I'm in general enjoying it, but there's just some like a degree of sloppiness. Like again, like you said, no real sense of urgency. It's just like, they know they have five seasons <sighs> to get through this. So it's like, let's just, you know, meander around a bit uh i i almost wish that just wasn't the case uh we're finally getting kind of out of the the pattern that i really didn't like at the beginning where every scene was just people arguing about non-plot related things or like yeah kind of like tangentially it, it related. seemed like for a while like all the dialogue was just arguments arguments um, all around and really and petty kind of contrived drama yeah the conversations and the dialogue in this episode i liked a lot more because yeah. it was just more relevant to the actual big plot yeah and something uh, uh like since i've reflected on on that uh in the past like week or so i've realized that my frustration frustration with with that is that there's plenty of circumstantial pressure that is being put on these characters. We don't need this kind of like petty uh, ad hominem kind of like stuff. Like there's plenty of pressure in the scenes anyway because of what's going on in the world. And instead of really reflecting that, some of these arguments have been... um, just kind of arguments that could have happened anywhere at any time in any world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I'm excited. I hope that continues. If that comes back, I'll be really kind of bummed, but, um, and I'll leave off by saying, I don't care about a seal door at all. And I hate that we're focusing any amount of storyline on him. Yeah. I don't hate that we're spending any amount of storyline on him. I just think it's too much. Like Elendil started off strong as a character and, he's just kind of been pushed to the background as a Seildor's overbearing father, but a Seildor's the main character. I mean, I know, I'm sure, you know, there's plenty of time for Elendil to come back, but it's like, I mean, not to use like a Game of Thrones analogy, but season one is about Ned Stark. Yeah. <laughs> um, then we get into his kids after. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like, this would be like, if we're just like, Ned's not that important. We're going to hang out with Bran and his friends. And I'm just like, I, I'm sorry, I don't care that much. Sealdor's characterization runs the same problem for me that Gil Galad and Celebrimbor do, where it's like he's rife with dramatic flaw. And for me, that kind of gives him very little potential to have a real arc. Like we're, we're seeing how shitty he is now and we know how shitty he yeah, is in the future. We're, we're, I mean, and I mean, the thing is that the shame is like a Sealdor is not shitty. It's like at right. the end of his life, he makes a shitty decision. But 
we're just already starting him off with that flaw. Really like selfish and kind of myopic. And you know, character. and like just kind of, you know, kind of more absorbed with his own family shit to, you know, uh, think about the consequences for everybody else, which, you know, is like the whole reason he takes the ring is because <laughs> of his family and the losses he's endured. Yeah, when he and Farazan's son kind of escape the the ship fire started by Farazan's son, I'm kind of like, oh, great. So both shitty boys get what they shitty want, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um, I so I, I'm just hoping to see more of the heroic side of a sealed door soon, because then I think that'll make the, you know, the end of his arc more compelling. Because but right now it's like, I can see this coming a mile away. <laughs> yeah, this guy, um, this guy is not, you know, he's not a, a an emboldened, I, brave guy. I mean, not even a mile away. I can see the end of his arc on Mount Doom from Numenor. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, kind of a bummer. Um, and I just hope some of that changes with these big characters who yeah. I, I want to see them fall. And right now they're already like fallen to me. Yeah, that's like the thing is I, I think we need to see more of like the good intentions and how those get led astray. But it's like, we're already seeing the consequences of those yeah. like oh, right off the bat. Yeah. And, and to me, it's more just like for Sauron's manipulation to work, it's gotta be like, everyone's on board with this. Right. Even the viewer is like, this is a good this thing. This is a good thing. And then we see it's like, Oh wait. Um, but right now it's like kind of right off the bat. There are warning signs dinging and people are just going along with it. I, what I want to see going forward is, again, just more context given to our main second age players, like yeah. Celebrimbor, Elendil, Gilgalad, and... Farazhan. And Farazhan. I mean, like I said, I, I do think we got more of what I wanted yeah, out of his characters Absolutely. this arc. Um, talking about, like, the, the potential of the forests and the timber in Middle-earth. Um, this is exactly what I want to see. Yeah. Um, I just want to see that applied to all these other characters totally. as well. But overall, like, I don't know. I think we do sound very critical. I'm enjoying this show generally, but I'm still kind of writing at a like a 7 out of 10. And I, I rarely ever give anything a 10 out of 10. So, you know, it's like that means I still enjoy it, but I'm also like I've got some major complaints. I think it just feels like when you know the lore really well, um, there's a lot of missed opportunity to make things deeper, like more connected to each other in the story. Like... Right now, it's hard to see it uh, as not contrived. Some some parts of it just seem pulled out of thin air. Yeah, it's like, I see where you're going. I, I'm just like, I think the way you got there, again, is just very forced. They've changed certain things that then make it like, okay, well, that's cool that you're going to change that or kind of flesh that out a little more in a different yeah. direction. But like, you need to give me that context. And sometimes that context is entirely missing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm a bit perturbed by like the the focus of, of those yeah. things i just want things tightened up a little bit and and i don't know I, I think the books and the lore offer ways to go about how to get from point a to b but sometimes they just like like the the balrog elf fight they just whip this out and this mithril is going to help us stay in middle it's like okay <laughs> take I, me through I, that I think, again <laughs> i think there are better ways to arrive at the same conclusion than just making up this mithril alchemy but well and it, it kind of feels like um star wars fuel you know where it's like let's suddenly talk about a, a, a magical thing or like you know this is just i don't know secrets only manway knew yeah like, just sort of like let's suddenly uh you know believe it <laughs> or don't you know and i i never want to be challenged uh to believe something in a fantasy thing i should just be able to accept it yeah 
Yeah. We'll see these last uh, three episodes, how they tie up this season. Okay. Well, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at halfaswellpod. If you like this podcast, definitely tell your friends about it and share it online. I'm William. I'm Sage. And this is Half Half As As Well. Well.